Blog Talk Radio. Baby, I'm getting ready to put her out there with you.
Otherwise, please wait and you will be joined into the conference.
Stevie. Good evening. <clears throat> Welcome to Prayer for All. We thank everyone for participating in Prayer for All. Tonight, we are very, very happy to have the Elder Colette James from Las Vegas, Nevada. For the ones that are just tuning in, we thank you for being in our prayer line. But tonight, we are very, very proud to have Elder Colette James from Las Vegas, Nevada. But before we read her bio, I just would like to open up the prayer line with the pastor field that opened news with a short prayer. The next four things you will hear will be held with the two minutes. Grace and peace. We greet you all in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Welcome tonight on Healing Open Wounds Ministry Prayer Line for All. We like to go into the upper room. Also, we welcome on tonight on the prayer line our partner, Ministry, New York Avenue, Church of God, Atlanta City, New Jersey, and fellowship with Healing Open Wounds Ministries. Let us go to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father God, I come to the throne of grace in the spirit of boldness and holy representation in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, Yahweh, that you will send your anointing, that it will break the yoke of bondage, break every chain, loose every shackle, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Please bless your people everywhere around the United States of America, around the world, internationally, worldwide, global, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Lord God, bless the convention, Lord God, that is taking place on tonight. Send your covenant, Lord God, and your blessings, Lord God, and shield of protection. Lord God, I ask that you send your word and send your anointing on tonight that it will penetrate the hearts of your people. I thank you, Heavenly Father, God, how you blessed and woke us up this morning with your loving kindness. We thank you for life, health, and strength, and your many blessings you have bestowed upon each and every one of us on today. We want to thank you for Son Jesus. In the book of Isaiah 53, 6 verse, you said in your words, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes, we are healed. Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you for the supernatural power of healing. We stand in the gap to pray in your holy name, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I come against the spirit of suicide. Yes, I come against unfamiliar spirits. I come against generational curses. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord bless the work that I have here Lord God, as we associate the good things that you have blessed us with, Lord God, shield us with all persecution and false accusation, Lord God, that people are placed on us, Lord God. We stand in your holy representation, Lord God. We war against the spirits, Lord God, that is trying to attach. Lord God, we 
Just see the blood of Jesus over life. Everyone that's here tonight, Lord God, their families here, Lord God, their spices, spouses, their ministries, Lord God, guide us, Lord God, to come against this disappointment and sabotage our work and opportunities to grow and mature, Lord God, and let any actions be seen us with your will in the mighty name of Lord Jesus. Father God, I decree and declare that I will not be anxious for anything, Lord God. We lift up holy hands, Lord God, and every prayer through supplication with thanksgiving will make our request known unto you, Lord God. We arise in faith today, knowing that you hear and answer prayers, Lord God, that we send up to you, Lord God, as our advocate, Lord God, and our interceder that communicates with your Father in glory, because Lord God, we bring it to your knees, Lord God, and we bring it to you, Lord God, that you surpass all standing. And, Lord God, you will guard our minds and our hearts, Lord God, in the stillness and the quietness, and I'll wait for you, Lord God. We'll wait for you, Lord God, to go forth and intercede for us, Lord God. Heavenly Father God, I declare in the mighty name of Lord Jesus that I am a pioneer in new territories, Lord God. We tread over surfaces and scorpions, and by no means nothing shall hurt or harm us in your mighty name. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. <laughs> that was the founder of Healing of Women's Minister Ministries, Elder Patricia Wynn. Um, at this time, I just would, would like to read some of the bio of our uh, guest elder on prayer for all for tonight. Elder Colette James is from Las Vegas, Nevada. She's a wife. She's a mother, too. She's a grandmother, eight, and a grandmother. She's recognized as a powerful preacher, a teacher, and a role model with a gift of reaching worshipers of all ages. You can also connect with her weekly on her blog talk radio program at www.blogtalkradio.com. Slash minister hyphen collect. Minister Lord, praise the Lord. We will also give you that information at the end of the elders teaching tonight. To read just a little bit more of her bio, she is the founder of God's Marketplace Ministries. She's currently speaking to the body of Christ through her Kingdom Empowerment seminars, which encourage Christians to incorporate spiritual things of God with the natural things of business to achieve supernatural success. She's also the co-founder of Covenant Daughters of Ministries and Mentorship Ministries for Women. She's also the executive producer of her own television talk show. I could go on and on and on, but I really don't want to take up too much time because I really want the elder to come on and teach us a word tonight. Um, you know, prayer for all is also open up to questions for our teacher, but the elder may pause or may not pause. At that time, we can ask her questions. So, like I advise anyone, if you like, grab yourself a pen, like I'm doing, grab yourself some scratch paper. I'll write down something that you don't understand, and the elder will be will stay on the line to answer any of our questions that we may have so we can get a better understanding. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, the the next um, elder, are you on the air? 
I am here. Okay. The elders on the air. I'm going to put the whole program into the elders' hands at this time. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Welcome Elder Corlett James, to prayer line for all on tonight. Well, thank you so very, very much. It is definitely an honor and a privilege to be here with you tonight. Um, I, I'm just, I'm always humbled and grateful to God anytime he opens up a door for me to share his word, and I, I really don't take it lightly. And I thank you so much, Elder Patricia Wynn, for uh, for the invite and for your, for your wonderful husband, um, Brother Wynn. I, I'm just I'm grateful, and and as I said, I'm humbled. Um, I have just really kind of been asking God where He would have me go, because the Lord always knows what He's doing. He knows your heart. He knows knows everything that is yet to come up against you, as well as what you're going through right now. And the word that God gave me is the faithfulness of God. And that was that was the title he gave me for the night, the faithfulness of God. To know that, you know, we are taught about our faith and faith is the currency of heaven and all the different things that, you know, we are to build our faith upon and, and everything. But in this hour and everything that we are encountering um, especially in the nation of the United States of America. Um, and, and please hear me, I know that there are, there's trouble, there's turmoil, um, there's famine, there's pestilence, there's all kind of evils and murders and everything going on across the world. And I don't take that lightly, and I'm not making light of that, but because I'm currently in the United States of America, and I am a citizen of America, needless to say, the things that are going on in our country um, have a tendency to be of some concern and to be a troubling thing within my spirit. Um, We know that this country right now is very, very divided, and anything that is divided will not stand. So it causes us to have concern about our very existence as a nation. Um, It causes us to have concern within our homes because the vision of a nation begins in the division of a home. It starts in the home. It spreads to the communities. It spreads out to the states and on to the nation. So this problem is rooted within our homes. That's where it starts. And we are living in a time in which division has come to our home. The worst part of it is division has come to the body of Christ. Amen. That is the worst part of it because we are to be the living examples for the world as how to come together, how to witness and manifest the presence of God. And because we are a divided people within the body, we're not properly showing forth God's glory. And that's a problem. That's a major, major problem. Um, Any of you that know me, you you know that I, I am 
such a, a big stickler on the subject of religion versus relationship. And I think part of our, our major problem within the body is we have gotten caught up in religiosity. We've gotten caught up in religion, and we have completely missed the relationship that God has for us. Christ did not come to start a new religion. Read your word. He came to bring reconciliation back from God's children back unto the Father. He came to reconcile us back into fellowship and relationship with God. If you go to your word, you'll see that he said in Luke 4 that he came to preach the gospel to the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and he came to preach it to the children of Israel. He never, ever, ever came to start a new religion. We've got to get that within our hearts and within our spirits. And and I think that's where we have to begin because until you fully understand the purpose of Christ's coming, you cannot fully embrace what his death, burial, and resurrection did for you. If in your mindset, the only thing you can think about is he came and he started Christianity so that, you know, you can start division, because that's exactly what happened. Christianity came onto the scene, and all of a sudden you have all these denominations and all these sects and, you know, and all these different things going on that God never, ever instituted. Never did he do that. So division started there, and it has just grown out of proportion because of that. Religion will relegate a people to a religious set, okay, or to members, but the kingdom does not have members. The kingdom has citizens. The kingdom of God is where our first citizenship begins. We are first citizens of the kingdom of God. Once we accept Christ into our hearts, once we accept the reconciliation that he came to give us so that we can be one once again with the Father, We can be reunited. We can go back to the garden as it was when Adam walked in the cool of the day with God. We can go back to that time. We can go back to the place of having dominion, to having dominion, to having power, to having authority to subdue the enemy. But if we don't fully understand what our purpose here is on this earth realm, then we're missing it so missing it. And and because we're not on our proper post, we're not fulfilling what God created us to do, everything in the universe is misaligned. Everything is misaligned. And it starts with us. It starts with us. So if we're going to understand fully the faithfulness of God, we have to understand what he called us to. What was the purpose of our creation? It goes back all the way back to Genesis. He created us for a purpose and for destiny, and he gave us a, a mandate when he created us. Let's, let's go there. Let's go to Genesis 2. And, and I, I, I am, I'm a revelatory minister, and my, my, um, my call is, is that of a teacher. So I'm that one that I'm going to give you several scriptures tonight, um, I'm not a hooper or a hollerer or anything like that. You know, I have passion in what I do, 
However, you know, what God has given me is to lay foundation and build upon foundation so that you can get a clear understanding of what he's trying to teach you because that's important. We, we can go to church and we can hear a good hoop and a good holler and dance and shout because our emotions got tickled. But if when we leave out of the church house, we cannot apply what we heard to our lives, then we, told, we completely miss the purpose of being there. Totally miss the purpose of being there. So it's it's vitally important that you learn. The Word of God says that God will give you line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little, just so that you can get a firm foundation, so that you will understand your purpose in this earth realm. It's it's just vital that we we go back to the beginning so you fully understand that we were created in his image and in his likeness. Teacher, so you know, I have notes, but, but God most of the time takes me away from my notes and brings me back to them. So, this is one of those times. So, um, we're gonna go to Genesis 2 to the account of what the Lord said unto Adam. Okay. I'm sorry, we're going to go to Genesis 3, not Genesis 2. And you know that um, in Genesis, when, when we were created, and God said that, you know, we were created in his image and in his likeness. We gave up the right or our rights, or let me put it this way, Eve gave up her rights um, as the woman that God created her to be because she allowed the enemy to beguile her. And how he did it was very cunning. And this is important for you to understand that because, remember, God gave us dominion. He gave us the ability to speak forth just as he spoke forth. He gave us the ability because he created us in his image and in his likeness. But when the serpent came to beguile um, Eve, he asked her a question, and this is important to understand because today we're still being beguiled. We're still being fooled because we're not fully understanding what, what God has done within us. When the enemy, when the serpent came to Eve, He said to the woman, and this is um, Genesis 3 and and 1, it says, now the serpent was, and I'm reading it out of the New International um, Version, just so you know. Um, It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not, and and this is what the serpent said back to the woman, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, there's where, right in there is where the problem lies. 
okay, because Eve did not know who she was. She was not familiar with who she was in God. And in knowing and understanding the faithfulness of God, we need to understand who we are in God, okay? Because had she known when he said your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, she would have told him, I'm already created in his image and likeness. I'm already got like God. I don't need to be disobedient to what God has already said to me for me to be like God. So in this hour that we're living in today, we're still allowing the enemy to come and to tell us we need all these different things in our lives so we can, quote, unquote, be like God. Instead of us walking in the obedience and the faithfulness of what God spoke over our lives and what he said about us, we are listening to the enemy. Now, we're going to go back briefly to Genesis 1. And listen to what God said about us. He said in Genesis 1, the 24th verse, starting at the 24th verse, he said, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that moved along the ground according to their kind, and God saw it was good. Now, the 26th verse, which is key here, said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So you see, he had created us and gave us dominion and told us to rule, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and to rule. I believe the King James Version says he gave, told us to take dominion, to take dominion. Well, when Christ came, he brought us back to that place of taking dominion. He brought us back into fellowship with God, which we had lost through sin. So the fact that Christ came, that we could, we could have um, the, the, the repentance of our sin, we could be forgiven of our sins, not of, of the one sin, of the, that human frailty sin, but also of the multiple sins that we had personally created or had committed. He came that we could be forgiven of that, okay? And because God is a faithful God, because of the faithfulness of God, because we were reconciled back into the Father, we were put back into the place of dominion. We went back to the place we were in the garden. That's important to understand who you are, whose you are, and who you are. You belong to God. You were created in his image and in his likeness. And in his faithfulness to his word, his faithfulness to his word, he said when he created us that we were created in his image and he gave us rulership. 
He gave us dominion. So because of his faithfulness to his word, he had to bring us back into that dominion. I hope I'm not losing anybody. Um, and just take notes because I'll be happy to answer questions at the end, okay? But we, we have to understand we've been put back into that place of rulership. So in being in that place in rulership, we need to understand what that really means in our lives, okay? So to, to believe the end of a thing, you first must believe the beginning of it, which is why we went back to Genesis 1 so that you could understand the beginning of it. In the beginning, first, the very, very first thing that you read in the Word of God, the Genesis 1 and 1 says, in the beginning, God. That's where you start. In the beginning, God. So you have to go back to God. If we're going to deal with anything and get through this, this turmoil and tumultuous times that we're living in, we've got to go back to in the beginning, God. If we're going to believe that we're going to come out of this thing victorious, we've got to go back to the beginning of it. We've yeah. got to go back to the beginning of it. So in going back to the beginning of it and dealing with the faithfulness of God, then you have to understand this. You have to understand that your faith is not based on what you can do. It's based on what he has already done. Mm -hmm. It is in him that you move and have your very being. He created you, okay? He is the one that thought you into existence and then had your mother and father come together so that they could procreate because he was the creator. They just procreated, okay, and consummated so you could come forth legally in the earth realm, legally. Understand, he gave you a body, a house, an earthen house to house your spirit so that your spirit could be legally here in the earth realm. Yes. Okay, understand that, all right? So um, when you understand that, then you know that it is in him that you live and you move and you have your very being. So he's first, 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 first. Your faith, again, is not based on what you can do. It's based on what he has already done and understanding that he is your creator and he does not do anything just to be doing it. God is a very strategic God. Very, very, very strategic. He does not just just by throwing something up in the air and think, oh, I wonder what this is going to do. That's not the God we serve. He's diligent. He's precise. He is a God of details, and he's very strategic. So your purpose in this earth realm at this time, at this very point in time, is a strategic move on God's part. And so you want to be able to be in the place to be utilized of him. You have a divine destiny. I don't care who said what about your life as you were growing up. I don't care who said you would not amount to anything, that you were nothing, that you were ugly, you were this, you were that. No matter. You were dumb. You had no smarts. All of those things mean absolutely nothing. You've got to cleanse your thoughts and your mind and your spirit of all the negative things that have been spoken against you and possibly that you even spoke against yourself and recognize and understand who God said you were and that he created you for greatness. Remember what he told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Yes. So before your mama and your daddy got together, God already knew you and have purpose for you. 
okay? And that purpose is a divine destiny of greatness. And not the greatness as the world sees it. Greatness for us is that success in knowing that we have accomplished that that God created us to do. See, you want to hear when all is said and done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now, you can only be good and faithful if you're obedient. If you're walking around in rebellion and not doing what God created you to do or called you to do, then you're not good or faithful. So it is time to relinquish our rulership over ourselves and our thoughts and line up with what God is saying. Remember the word said that let the same mind be in me that is also in Christ Jesus. So we have to, we have to relegate our thoughts to God as well. Because, and, and this, is, this is not always easy. Most of us have been indoctrinated with the things of society and what the world says is good and important and how we should feel because we have a certain skin tone or because we are of a certain gender and all these different things, these, these things that have been put upon us, um, we, we get caught up in those things. But never forget what Timothy said. Timothy said that, that that one that has been called to be a soldier cannot entangle himself or herself in the affairs of the world, that he may please him that called him to soldier. Okay. So because of everything, and this is really, really important, I don't know what nationalities are on the, on the line with us tonight, but please hear me. With the things that are going on in our nation right now, we cannot allow our emotions to override what God has called us to do in the midst of these situations. Yes. Because there's emotions flying off the chart on both sides of the fence. But it's only about what God has said that you are to do in these situations that is going to make a difference. Only what he says is going to make a difference, okay? So whether you're black or white, a male or female, a police officer or an African-American male or female, whatever, it does not make any difference if you are not allowing yourself to be used of God in this hour to make sure that you are showing forth his light in this dark and perverse nation that we live in. None of that other stuff matters, because guess what? Now think about this. You didn't choose your gender, and you didn't choose your nationality. He did. So he chose it for a purpose, let him use it, okay? I didn't go to God and say, make me an African-American woman. I'm proud to be one. Love it. But that I did not ask for it. He made me this way, okay, because he had use for me as an African-American woman. If he had wanted to put my spirit in a Caucasian male's body, he would have done that. That was not his choice. He put me in the body that he put me in because he wants to use me in this vein. So we need to understand that we cannot get so caught up in the societal things that are going on that we forget about, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, what do you want me to do in this? You know, I can't go out there and start bashing other nationalities just because I feel that I'm entitled to because I'm black. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm that one that's supposed to be the peacemaker. I'm, I'm that one that's supposed to stand in the gap and pray 
not just for the situations, but even for my enemies. I'm supposed to heap coals of fire on their head by treating them with kindness, not all up in their face and cussing them out. I'm that one that's supposed to be a beacon light in this dark and perverted land because if there's no light in darkness, who's going to lead the darkness out? Who's going to lead the people out of the darkness? If we all jump on the bandwagon and we're all out there cursing each other out and stuff, where's God in the midst? Where is he? Can I get so tangled up in what's going on around us that we forget what he's called us to? Here's the next point. My strength for the task at hand is not mine, but it's his. For he has filled me with his joy to make it through. It's not always easy to walk through what we're walking through, but because of the faithfulness of God, he has placed his joy inside of you, and he said that his joy was your strength. So when you don't know how you're going to make it through a situation or it gets really tough or you're very angry, you know, because we all get angry, we read things, we see things, and it's like this don't make no sense, and our emotions rise up. But if we can get into that place in God and allow him to take over, he is my strength for the task at hand. Some things I can't do within myself. Colette will go off on you, okay, for real, (laughs) seriously. But I'm not always called to do that. So I have to tap into the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, to hold my mouth shut, to put a guard over it, as James said, okay, and only speak what he gives me to speak. People, I know this is a difficult thing to swallow sometimes especially if you're used to just being boisterous and and bold and saying what you want to say, okay? One of the first things God did when he pulled me into himself, okay, at 33 years old was put a guard over my mouth because my mouth was my weapon of choice. And I don't believe I'm the only one. I would chew you up and spit you out and never think twice about it. Could care less about your feelings. So in the transformation of who I became in him, he had to shut my mouth and tell me when to speak. That's not always easy, especially if we're in relationships, especially in, in, especially in marital relationships, okay, because we know exactly what to say to push our mate's button. We know just how to get up under their skin. We know just how we can tear them down and hurt them and especially if they've hurt us. But God is saying, no, 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 not so. My joy is your strength. My strength will give you the power to keep your mouth shut and only open it when I tell you to, and I will give you the words to say. That was a difficult lesson for me to learn. I'm going to be just as transparent and honest as I possibly can, seriously. It was not easy. And even now, there are times I have a little struggle, okay? I'm thankful that, you know, in these 28 years, I've come a long way. I've definitely come a long way. But nevertheless, remember the faithfulness of God. He never puts you in the midst of a situation, be it on your job, in a relationship, in a volatile situation, without giving you the strength and the power you need to get through it. So never say, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm going to tell you how you're going to make it, the faithfulness of God, because he is your faithful. He will see you through. The next thing is we want to talk about is our knowledge. 
my knowledge or your knowledge of the situation, of any situation, whatever it is, is not based on how intelligent you are. It is supplied by the grace to inquire of the Holy Spirit which dwells within you to gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding straight from God. God said wisdom is the principal thing, but in all thy getting, he said, get understanding. That's vital. We get a piece of a story, a piece of a situation, and we're ready to take off with just this little limited knowledge and not getting a full understanding. And a lot of times we have wrecked ourselves because we have done that. So because you know that God is there and he dwells within you, this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It is such an incredible thing to know that you can have counsel with God at any given time, place, anywhere. It does not matter the situation, the hour of the night. You know, it could be 3 o'clock in the morning. You don't know anybody that you can call that's not going to cuss you out for waking them up. Whatever the situation is, okay, you can always get counsel from God. Why? Because his spirit dwells within you. So you need to go to him and say, you know what, Father, I need to know what to do in this situation. I need to know what's going on. Hallelujah. How do I handle this? How do I handle this, okay? Now, again, we're going to touch on this based on the fact that because of the times that we're living in, we know that there are some really, really troubled things going on. But here's, here's, here's the faithfulness of God. He will reveal his plans to you. Nothing that we're going through right now should be shocking anybody that has studied the word of God. It should not shock you at all. God said in Amos 3 and 7 that surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. That is not just the prophet, the office of the prophet. That is his servants that will prophetically speak forth his word. There is an office of a prophet, but then there is the place of of the prophetic that we should all walk in because we should all be able to speak a sure word from God. We should all have our ears open so that God can speak to us and we can speak it forth. Okay? It's not a matter of taking on the office of a prophet because that's something I promise you you just don't want to covet. Okay? For real. But it's not... It's not about taking that on, but the prophetic is the word of God. The prophetic is the will of God, and that should be operable in your life at all times. When you pray, you should pray prophetically. Think about this. The very first time prayer was mentioned in the word of God, it was mentioned by by David. And when it was mentioned, I believe it was 2 Samuel 14, somewhere in there. Um, But when it was mentioned, when it was mentioned, it was mentioned by David taking back to God what Nathan had spoken to him. When it said David prayed, the first time prayer is mentioned in the word of God is when David took what Nathan told him about what God was going to do in his family, in his household. He took it back to God and came in agreement with God with what was spoken. That's that's the basis of prayer, okay? We have we have taken prayer and we've reduced it down to our wish list, and we just take our wish list to God. We drop it there and we're on our way. 
We never take the time, first and foremost, to open up with praise and worship because the word says that God inhabits the praises of our of his people. So first thing you want to do in prayer is give up adoration. You want to lift up Judah. You want to definitely give praise and glory to God. And I don't care what it is that you're going through right here and right now, you can find something to praise God because you are yet still alive. So therefore, there is yet a time for a change to come. Until you close your eyes for that final time, change is yet inevitable. Okay? So you go in with praise so that he can inhabit. You want him in your presence. You want to set the atmosphere that's conducive for his spirit to speak to you. You want to make sure that, you know, you have, you have allowed him that place. Is he always present? Yes, he is. But does he enjoy and desire to be invited in? Yes, he does. He wants to know that you, you are calling for your father. You're calling for time to spend with him. You've, you've made that time available so that you can have koinonia, that sweet, in, intimate time with him, that sweet fellowship with him. Very, very important. So in that place, when you get into that place, after you've had your praise and worship, you kind of want to be quiet for a little while because guess what? If you're having a conversation with somebody and it's all one-sided and you never give or they never give you time to speak, very soon into that conversation you are really over it. Well, all they want to do is do all the talking. They don't want to hear anything that you have to say, and then when they're done, they hang up or they leave out your presence. You don't like that. Neither does God. Neither does God. So you want to take time to hear from him. You want his spirit to speak to you because, again, in your prayer time, you want to pray prophetically. What does that mean? That means that I want God to release into the atmosphere your will and your desire for a situation. We get into a place in ourselves where we feel like, you know, we don't have faith because God is not going to do anything for me because he, he never answers me. He never hears me. He never does what I ask him to do. But did you ever go to him and say, you know what, God, what is your desire in this situation? What is your will? Did you ever stop to think that maybe, just maybe, his word in Romans 8 is true, that he will withhold no good thing from you if you are love him and are called according to his purpose? Did you ever think about that? Because if you stop and think about that, if you truly love the Lord and you absolutely know you're called according to his purpose, then if he's withholding something, it's one of two things going on. Number one, it's not a good thing. Or number two, it's not time yet. So if it's not a good thing, you don't want it anyway. Your eyes are telling you you want it. Your senses are telling you you want it. But God is telling you, no, you really don't want it. How many times have we allowed our eyes and our senses to deceive us because we saw something that looked good, we heard something that sounded good, and we got in the midst of it and was like nothing but H-E-L-L because we didn't take the time to listen to God or to ask him or to inquire of him. And a lot of times he has been sent up flags and signals and just straight out told you, no, don't do it. This is not for you. And you figure you know you better than God does. So you're going to go ahead and do it anyway. 
the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. If he says no, you better run the other way and say, okay, (laughs) seriously, no problem. No problem. That's a hard lesson to learn as well. But I promise you, you hit your head up against that brick wall enough times, and you will learn your lesson. You will get tired of getting beat up. You will get tired of failing when you don't have to, when it's so simple to inquire of the Lord. So if he says that he is not going to do anything without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophet, and you are his servants, you're, you're even greater than that. You are his children. He wants to let you know what's going on. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to give you guidance. He wants to give you direction. Any parent that's on this line knows that, you know, you don't ever want to see your child fail. You don't ever want to see your child go through bad times and all the hard knocks that are out there. Unfortunately, we cannot always shelter them from the things that they're going to encounter. But in your heart, you wish that you could. Well, God is the ultimate father, so he wants to shelter you from all the harm and the pain and the hurt that's out there in the world that you will encounter if you go out there and just do your own thing. He wants to shelter you from that. So in his faithfulness to you, you need to listen to him and in your prayer time saying, okay, Father, what is your will in this situation? I've got testimony after testimony after testimony how he has redirected my life because I allowed his will to be prevalent. You've got to get back to that, that first place where God is first. So I said this to let you know that, as I said before, we're living in troubled times, but they're not shocking to anyone who has studied the word of God. Here, Second Timothy, I, I want to walk through the word for a moment and just kind of give you a glimpse of what God has already spoken that we were going to encounter. And once you get this and you understand this, then you recognize and know that mm, there's nothing going on that he has not already told you what's going to go on. I mean, I listen to people, and especially men and women of God, that are, you know, in the pulpit, and they're like just so mesmerized and so shocked at the things that we're encountering in this world. Your spirit should be grieved, absolutely, because I know the spirit of God is grieved, but you shouldn't be shocked. If you've been in the Word, Second Timothy, the um, third chapter, starting at the third verse says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people, nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who warm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, 
So also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. So God is in the exposing business as well. So don't be troubled. I mean, the, the things that we are encountering and we're seeing is not shocking. It's not shocking because God said it was going to be this way. He's a faithful God. If his word said it was going to be, it's going to be. It's going to be. John 16 and 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So don't think that you can just skip to my loo, my darling, through the world and smell the roses and you'll never encounter anything wrong. You know? That, that's not realistic. That's not realistic. The Father and the Son have both told you in these passages that it's going to be some trouble. It's going to be some troubled times. Second, Second Timothy 4, starting at the fourth verse, says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctoring. Instead, they suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. That's the charge that God has given us. Not to get caught up in all the things that's going on. If, if it was supposed to blindside us, he would not have told us what was to come. So rather than getting so shocked and sitting down in dismay because such and such fell from grace, know what the words say. Pray for such and such and get up and keep going. Keep going. You cannot allow the fall of one to sit you down. Men are going to, the word says that even the very elect would be fooled. So those that you so-called put up on a pedestal and look up to them and think they are the next best thing to Christ Jesus, they may fall before you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Have you put your faith, your trust, and your hope in a mere man? Because I promise you the word of God tells you not to. It tells you Straight out, do not put your faith and your trust in mere man, in princes. Don't do it. Why? Because no matter how good a person may be and how much that person may love you, that person at some point in time is going to fail you. Why? Because they are not God. 
They are not God. And a lot of times they don't even mean to fail you. They don't even mean to have the shortcomings that they have. But guess what? They are human. So they're in this frail, this, this frail form of a being. They've not been released by the spirit of God yet to soar. So they can mess up. They can say the wrong things. They cannot be there for you when you need them to be there. Sometimes your relationships don't work out. Sometimes they do end in divorce. Sometimes they end in death. But that does not give you the excuse to fall, to sit down, to lay down and say, I don't want to do it anymore. As long as God has called you, then you have a a command, okay, to keep your head in all situations. Does God know when you're hurting? Absolutely. But guess what? He is a God that will heal you. He will heal you. Does not mean you don't miss that person. Doesn't mean that the memories don't continue in your mind of that person, especially if that person has gone on the glory. But God can heal, set free, and deliver, and he's given you a mandate to keep your head in all situations. Endure the hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of the evangelist? The work of the evangelist is to tell the good news that there is a hope in God. There is a hope. There is a blessed hope that you have power and authority and a relationship with the creator of the universes not just the one that we live in, the creator of all things loves you, loves you, created you for purpose and for destiny, created you in his image and in his likeness, and created you for greatness. So you don't have time to lay down. I I recommend if if a person is grieving, yes, they should take some time to pull away and and allow God to heal them, allow God to, to work what he needs to do in their heart. But that doesn't mean that you sit down for the rest of your life. There is that time. Of, of intense ministry. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be a time of sitting back in self-pity and drowning your sorrows in a bottle or getting you a joint or what have you, whatever your, your choice is in the situation. That is not that time. The time is, is to pull yourself back and allow God to heal. Have that intimate time with him. And let him do what he needs to do and what only he can do inside of you. We in this hour, in the body of Christ, unfortunately, we're looking for signs. We're looking all over for signs. But that's not what the word of God said. The word of God in Mark 16 17 through 18 says, excuse me, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We are the signs. We're looking for signs, but as the body of Christ, we are the signs. Remember, I believe it's in John that it said that, you know, all creation is moaning and groaning for the sons of God to manifest. That's us. I don't care what gender you are, you are a son. A son is a stage in God. It is a place. It is 
It is not in gender. Remember the word says that, you know, in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, okay? In God, in him, you are all things because he created you in his image and in his likeness. And, and as a son, we start out, we start off in ba- as babes, and then we grow a little bit and we become children. When we get to the place of sonship, that's a place of rulership. That's a place of authority. Think about it. When you even read the word of God or just look at history, that the sons were placed in authority. It's a position in God for you to mature into so that you're no longer just a child, but you're, you're grown up and you can handle the responsibility of authority that God has placed upon you, that mantle that he's put on you so that you can make a difference, so that you can step into a situation and change the atmosphere, so that you can speak forth living words as God will give you unction to say. You are the sign that the earth is looking for so that the signs that should be following you can manifest as a believer, as a believer. Dead should be getting up. Sick should be getting healed. Deliverance should be coming forth. This world should be turning around. If we, if the body of Christ takes our rightful place, get on the wall as the watchman on the wall, learn to pray the word of God, learn to pray what God will give you to say, what he will give you to release in the atmosphere. Again, <clears throat> excuse me, we are created in his image and in his likeness, and he's a speaking spirit. We are created to speak forth, but not our will, his will. It's his manifested will we're speaking forth. We're calling forth what he says he wants, which is why it's so important. In your prayer closet, you're asking him, God, what is your will in this situation? What would you have me to speak? What would you have me to do? Vital. It is vital. If there's going to be a turnaround in our homes, if there's going to be a turnaround in our communities, and if there's going to be a turnaround in our nation, it is not going to happen until the body of Christ aligns itself with the will of God and speaks it forth, taking the dominion and the authority that we have been given. When God is rooted and grounded in us, we live a God-first life. It is not what comes to us that confirms us. It is what comes out of us. Who did God say you were? Did he say you were? You know, he said you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that you were unique, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. He has spoken things over your life. And, and, and instead of believing what he has said and what he has called you to, we have relegated ourselves to the belief in what man is saying to us. And we've got to stop it. We have got to stop that and come out of that. And, and let me tell you how vital it is to be obedient to what God tells you and what he says to you. If you look in, in I believe it's 1 Kings, the 13th chapter, 
And it's a story of a prophet that God had given a direction to, and he told him to go to a city and to prophesy over that city, give them his word, and he told them, do not stop and eat or tarry at anyone's house, but go in, give the word, and leave. Prophet did just what he was told to do. He went in, he gave the word, he left. He got a word directly from God. That's vital directly from God, he did what he was supposed to do, almost. (laughs) On the way out of the city, he's walking, walking on his little trail, and a quote-unquote other prophet came to him and told him that an angel told him that this prophet should come to his house and eat. Prophet went to his house and died because he was disobedient to the word of God. That's how serious this is. And there is nothing, I promise you, there's nothing in this Bible, there's nothing in the word of God that's just put in there just to have some ink on a piece of paper. It is warnings to us. It is direction to us. It is guidance to us. And we better take heed. We better take heed. That's a story that lives with me. And I look at it on so many different levels. First and foremost, okay, so God, you spoke to me directly, but then here comes this man who, quote, unquote, is supposed to be a prophet, okay, and tells me that an angel told him that I need to come eat. No, 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 no. Why am I going to believe a man that talked to an angel when I heard from God? Okay, directly. So we got to watch who we're listening to. We got to watch who we're taking stock in what they're saying. Let the spirit bear witness. God's spirit lives within you. One thing that you should always be prayerful about is God give me a spirit of discernment so that I can rightly divide the word of truth. And that does not just pertain to the Bible. Rightly dividing the word of truth comes in real, real handy if you have a shyster in your face trying to tell you something. And you need to know what is fact versus fiction. So ask God, give you a spirit of discernment so you know. I have gone places and sat down and listened to the word and looked at the people around me, and they were just, hoo, hoo, ha, hallelujah, yes, amen. And I'm going, are you out your mind? <laughs> it's like, are you really listening to what this man is saying? Like, really? Because they, that, those itching ears. And, oh, they're tickling my fancy, and they're saying exactly what I want to hear. There's going to be a whole lot of times God is going to speak some things to you you don't want to hear, you don't want to adhere to, you don't want to do. But I promise you, in your obedience to him, in spite of your feelings, in your obedience to him, not only will you be saved, but the lives that are at stake will be saved. You've got to understand this walk, this thing is not about you. There are so many lives that are connected to you that you may never even know about. And when God gives you a directive to do something or to say something, it is vital that you follow it out to the letter. Partial obedience is disobedience. you got to do the whole thing. We want to just do what, what we want to do. But if, it is, if it's, no, I'm not feeling that. Well, God didn't ask you to feel that he just told you to do it. So we got to have a mindset that when he calls us and he tells us to do something, <clears throat> we do what he tells us to do. Excuse me. You have been made to be a kingdom. That's what I'm saying. What has God said about you? You have to understand your place and who you are. And I'm almost to an end. 
but I, this is important for you to understand. Revelations 1, um, the fourth chapter, it's John, and he's starting to write to the seven churches of Asia, and it says, John, to the seven churches of the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. You were created to be a ruler, to be a kingdom, to be a priest. It is not to be taken lightly. We got to watch what comes out of our mouths. Again, we were created to be a speaking spirit. We were created with created power to speak forth. You've got to be careful what you're saying. You've got to be careful what you're speaking over your children, what you're speaking over your family, what you're speaking over your nation. You've got to be careful. What is coming out of your mouth? Does it align itself with God's word? It's vital. It is vital that we're speaking his word, not our thoughts, not our feelings, but his word. I've been called on the carpet for speaking my feelings in a situation that I felt justified in because someone that I cared about had gotten hurt. And God said, no, you were not a proper sister to her. And I'm thinking, I was just getting ready to go jack her husband because he hurt her. You know, I'm like, Lord, how I mess up, okay? (laughs) Because he shouldn't have put his hands on her, all right? But he had given her perfect peace, and I walked in there in turmoil. To, up, to, to turn, overturn the peace that he had given her. Now, this is being saved, y'all. This is being a minister of the gospel. This is not being out there in the world. And he corrupted me. You know, he said vengeance is his. He will repay. I ain't asked you to go jack anybody, <laughs> okay? You should have went and listened to what I had to say and ministered in me. Not in your feelings, not in your emotions. So we got to understand, it's God first in all things. God first. We are created as a priest. We need to understand, and for the sake of time, I can't really go into depth in this, but I will tell you, you need to study Hebrews 7 about the new priesthood, the priesthood under, after the order of Melchizedek, which is the order of the priesthood that Christ is in. It is from the lineage of Judah and not from the lineage of Levi. You need to study it. You need to understand what that means. You need to go into um, what it is, uh, Genesis, and deal with the Levitical priesthood and, and what, what as Jacob was, was blessing his sons and what he said about Simeon and Levi and, and the curse really that was on their lives, every, every son that Jacob went to bless until he got to Judah received a curse and not a blessing. Read it. Read it. Get it in your spirit. You need to understand. And we are called out of the lineage of Judah, okay? And, and I'm going to, I, I got to read to you about Judah because um, it's really, really, actually, 
I'm going to read to you about Levi and then going on to Judah. It says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Now, understand, this is Jacob giving down the blessings just before he dies, okay, on his sons. And Simeon and Levi are two of his sons, okay? Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Okay, their anger, their, their, the, the, what made them who they were was a curse to them, not a blessing. Now, the Levitical priesthood had a purpose. It was through the Levitical priesthood that the law came into existence, and that law was to teach us right from wrong. But now that we're walking in grace and under the, the Judean uh, priesthood, there's a difference. When he got to the eighth verse, he said to Judah, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he couches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rule him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Now go back to, to um, Hebrews 7, and this is what it said about Melchizedek and Christ. It says that um, Hebrews 7, starting at the 11th verse, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity, a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaining, pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I'm telling you, like I said, I don't have time to really go into that, but you need to study it and understand really what it means, that we're, we're in a new priesthood. We're under the Judean priesthood, and you just heard the blessing that came down on Judah and the fact that nations shall be his. God, again, is putting us in rulership. Putting us in rulership. Think about it. The Levitical priesthood did not even get a part of the land when it was divided and an inheritance. Okay? But we have been put under Judah, under Christ's 
in, re- in, in rulership. We've been put back into authority. So, again, because of the faithfulness of God, he has yet been faithful to place us in the place back where he has called us to take dominion, to subdue, to, to rule, to be his ambassadors in this earth realm. An ambassador, when he's handed a territory, that territory becomes the nation. Whatever he's representing, if you go to the U.S. consulate in any country, when you step on that ground, you are in the United States of America. I don't care what country you're in. That American flag is flying, and you are in America. Okay? That's how it is here. In your territory, the, the, the banner is Christ that is flying over us. And wherever our feet should trod, we are to take territory in his name. So in this time that we're living in and all that we're going through and all that we see happening all around us, we've got to get back into our place of power and authority, and we only can do that by the faithfulness of God, and you've got to recognize who he is in your life and who he's called you to be. Amen. I'm done. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome words. My Lord. Well, author, anointed teacher of the gospel, thank God for Elder Corlett James. Before before it gets too late, um, can we have a few minutes of questions if if we may? If anyone has questions, I'll be happy to impart what I have. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yes, I have a question. Okay, go right ahead, please. It's Apostle Greenleaf. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Um, what was that uh, scripture you said in uh, Hebrews? Was that 11 or 7? Seven? 7. 7. Okay, thank you. That was mm-hmm. all I wanted. Amen. The word was good, by the way. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Elder, um, my question is... Well, I got down a lot of notes here, but due to lateness, I try to get the important ones first. Um, if I may put you on the spot, but earlier uh, when you first opened up your statement, you used the words, uh, the universe is misaligned. And when you say that, are you speaking about... Um, the tragedies and sickness of man for what's going on in the world today, is that uh, what you speaking about? Or or can you elaborate more on on your point about the universe that's misaligned? If, If we as the body of Christ are not aligned properly vertically, where we, we are in a vertical relationship with God and he can download his revelatory knowledge to us at any given time, then horizontally we're going to be out of whack. We're going to be out of place. So we're misaligned. We, our alignment has to first be with, with God. You know, we, we first got to align ourselves with his principles, with his, his, with his will, with his word, with all that he has called us to do, both collectively and individually. Remember, you know, we, we are all 
part of the body of Christ, but we are all very uniquely created. He said that. We all, we may have some similarities, but we are unique in who we are in him. And the reason for that is because we have a specific task to do for him, okay, and specific assignments that he's called us to. So what he's placed in me for this hour may be completely different than what he's placed in you. So if I'm just trying to align myself horizontally, you know, with the people around me and, and just try to, you know, get under a ministry because it's, it's 12,000 people strong and I can boast and brag that I go to such and such church, okay, then I'm out of place which means the universe is out of place, okay? But if I am aligned, because remember, remember, he called us to rule here. If I'm aligned purpose, properly and, impurpose, and purposely, in purpose and on purpose, okay, with him, then whatever the horizontal relationships are, they will flow properly because I'm allowing him to direct me and to dictate to me what I do, what I say, how I handle different people, how I handle different situations. Okay, thank you. And if, if I may just ask one more question after I had the board and then anyone else. And not to put you on the spot, Albert, but and that's okay if you could say that. Uh, I just want to I say in my terms and I'm sure that you, in my words, I'm sure that you know what I mean. Can you speak spiritually to help the ones who lost loved ones out of these tragedies, maybe listening uh, to you, like the ones in Florida, France, across the country? Uh, some of them have, you know, been in the church, raised up in the church, families in the church, and then, you know, to be at the job and, you know, get shot. Can, can you give any type of teaching or words of encouragement or help us uh, to give or, 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 or help us we come across this to help others? Uh, Yeah, I do, I do. Uh, And and my first thought on that is, um, first and foremost, is is to allow God to heal you. Most of the time in situations like that, our first tendency is to be angry with God. It's like, God, why did you let this happen? How did you let this happen? Okay, especially if we're saved. All right. Um, if we're not saved and we really have no understanding, then it's like, you know, well, I don't believe in God because if there was a God, why would he have allowed this to happen? Okay. Um, the, 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 the biggest thing is to get with him, and, and you, you've got to allow God to come in and to heal your heart. It's a hard thing, and, and it's kind of what I spoke to um, a little while ago was I believe in a grief process. I, I do, because um, I've lost loved ones, and I know that there were times where I just needed to get away with God, because there was nothing anybody could say to me. You know, there was no counsel that man could give me that could ease my pain, okay, um, or my anger at what had happened. So I, I had it going both ways. My my son-in-law was killed. He was murdered, and I was angry. I was hurt. I have a daughter without a husband. I have grandbabies without a father, and this was a senseless murder, and I was angry. And this was a young man I had been praying for. So I was angry, but I, I had enough sense in within me. I remember the night that it happened, 
and I, I was laying there, and I said, God, I know I've got to go through a lot of different stages in this, a lot of different emotions, a lot of different levels of whatever, okay? What I ask of you, Father, is that you keep me near your breath. Keep me close to your heart. No matter what it is I'm going through, please keep me close to you. I had enough sense to know I was going to need that in the midst of my anger, in the midst of, you know, as I've shared with you, I'm that one, I want retaliation, I want to see something happen, okay? In the midst of all of that, I knew and I had enough sense to know I had to stay close to God. So um, it, that's, that's the first step. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. Your healing doesn't happen overnight. Your getting over your anger doesn't happen overnight. But if you make up your mind that you need to stay close to God, that, that, Lord, i got to trust that you're going to get me through this. That's, again, going back to the faithfulness of God. i got to trust that you are faithful in the midst of this to do what I need in me. i got to trust you, even though I know i got to go through all these different things. And there's, and, and there's times where you really, you really got to just kind of shut yourself away from people because they're going to say things, and because of your hurt and your pain and your anger and all the different things you're going through, you will re- and you will say things back to people that you don't really mean because you're hurting, and hurting people hurt people. It, it just It's kind of our nature, you know. So the first thing is, is please don't turn from God. Please don't run away from him. Please allow him to do what only he can do. He is the only one that can heal your hurt that can heal your pain, and and understand that God did not cause this. Unfortunately, and and this is my feeling, okay, this is strictly Koylat. Unfortunately, God gave us all the freedom of choice, okay? If I was God, I wouldn't have went that way. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, because we tend to abuse that freedom of choice. And because we have that freedom to choose, we can choose good or we can choose evil. It was evil that did what they did, okay? It was not God. And it's, it's unfortunate that it happened, but it was the choice. We, we, we can choose our choices. We cannot choose our consequences. And it was the choice of these people to allow the evil one to crap up in their heart, to take over their minds and even their souls, and to cause them to do what they did. So your enemy is not God. Your enemy is the evil one, okay? You want to get back at somebody, then you get on your prayer wall and you start praying against everything that that evil one thought he was going to bring to pass out of the evil deed that he did, that he did okay? When, when evil is coming at you, you pray against the evil, not against the person, but against the evil that has taken over the person. And, and for me, my strategy is, oh, you're going to come at me like that? Well, I'm going to make sure not only are you going to really have your way with me, but I'm bringing some more people up out of here with me. So now I'm really busy in intercessory, okay? So it's, it's, it's hard. It, it, I understand. Please hear me. I can empathize with you. I can feel your pain. Honest to God, I can. Okay? But I do know that God is able. He's able to give you the peace that you need 
to sustain your life because if you go through life with that anger and that pain, you're just going to make things worse and you will not be allowed to heal. You've got to release it, the anger and the pain. So the, the, the greatest counsel I can give is to draw nearer to him. Don't run from him. Draw nearer to him. And remember what I said before. God said vengeance is his. He shall repay. Okay. 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 Is anyone else that has a question for the elder? Go ahead. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Anyone else? All right. So we, with the, I was getting late, but we thank Elder for her teaching um, tonight. We are coming live from Las Vegas, Nevada. I know that it's like pushing eight thirty here, and uh, Nevada's like three hours behind us. But uh, once again, <clears throat> you can connect with Elder Queen James at www.blogtalkradio.com/slash-colette. You can also go to her Facebook page and see her, um, and hear the most powerful word I have myself, became friends with her on Facebook, uh, the elders can be posting scripture or whatever she feels to post on my page, so I on the East Coast, can read her scripture, read her teaching, uh, here, too, uh, Healing Open Wounds isn't like some ministries, only just in a box. We go outside the box to whatever teacher to come forth and give us the word, and we also try to do a ministry family to reach out so that they can also be heard. It's not about us. It's about getting God's word out to many. Uh, next week on our prayer line, we're going to be coming from Alaska, Georgia, to Bishop Russell Oldman is also going to be on the air. If there's... No more questions. I'm going to uh, put it back in the hands of of a elder um, for any final comments that she may have, final prayers that she may take us off the air. And I want to thank everybody there for listening. Service is going to go back in the hands of a little Thank you for my big sister in Christ, Jesus. I thank God for how he's using her for his glory and ministering all around the world. She has also been a minister, has ministered the gospel for many years now through trials and tribulations and how Abraham had to uproot and move his family. Been there. You know what it's all about, boys, living by faith, walking by faith and not by sight. She inclines and hearing the voice of our Heavenly Father. She listens for directions, specific directions and instructions as he leads and guides her. She intercedes for many. She's a prayer warrior. She's out and the doubts in my mind, these wars in the spirit, spiritual warfare leader. 
She's a faithful servant of the Lord. We thank God for her. As far as being a leader, CEO at Market, God's Marketplace. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I, it, it's, it's been God's Marketplace Ministry since 2005. This year, God is kind of transitioning it into kingdom empowerment. So, um, But it is a marketplace ministry teaching um, men and women of God how to incorporate the spiritual things of God with the natural things of business to achieve supernatural success. It, it all goes back to God first. Amen, amen. And also, um, you are a leader for us, um, interceding and being available for many women, uh, encouraging women, motivating women, empowering women through the covenant daughters. And you will be, could you tell us a little bit, Elder, about um, the covenant daughters cruise? I would love to. We are going to embark on a four-day um, cruise. It's um, it's a um, um, in in what is it? June, actually, it's a little under a, a year away. Um, July the seventeenth through the twenty-first. Uh, 